Rabbi Say, I wanna I wanna play I I wanna welcome David Levinger back home. And he's somebody I admire a lot. He's somebody who's smart, who is very good at things and and just brings a beautiful energy to Yeshiva. I wanna say that David did a song once that he cap- I love when people capture things with music. I like when people capture ideas of the yeshiva with music, capture ideas of the heart with music. I like when music is used well. Music is very, very powerful. And when music is misused for bad ideas and to express meaningless things, that's frustrating to me. It's frustrating because of how powerful music could be. And David did a song it's almost, it, it happened a week ago. The anniversary was, I believe, a week ago. A week ago, we, we came back to Yeshiva. Somebody showed me on their phone that it was four years ago, a week ago. We were shut down for two months. And it was a very, very difficult two months. And after two months of being away from the Yeshiva, I could describe it was a very complicated period. I could tell you personally, I could tell you about from the perspective of the Yeshiva, it was... The word Pizer Anefesh, when you like pull different places, have being in New York, I'm, I like being near my family, with my family, and I'm running, coming, very, very complicated period of the yeshiva. Everything we have going here, a, a sense that when a guy wants to be in Shear, he can go to Shear, and he wants to go back to the dorm, he could be in the dorm. It wasn't constructed, it wasn't constructed that we could do things we do here. It made me appreciate many things of the yeshiva. I have a picture, while we were learning in those tents, there used to be guys against the wall just sitting there. There, If you went to Shear, you went in Shear, but then you were stuck for the day. If you went back home, you couldn't get back there. What we have here, that any shear you see a guy sitting in a shear, means he chose to stay in shear. And every minute he's in shear, he chose to sit in shear. And if he wants, he goes back to his dorm, back to his bed, back to the gym, back to the dining room. And a guy can take and partake and be nana, can feel what he feels he's ready for. We didn't have that in the tents in Muncie. It was a wonderful period, an unusual period. And... And certainly, we, we made the best as much, we made the best of the situation, and it was a very unique period of growth. When we got back to Durham, it was a very exciting time. I remember dancing the Sifrei Torah back to Yeshiva, and David composed the song, a welcome back song that was like very very magical that played a lot at that period. A beautiful song. I'm going to play it for the guys in a few minutes. But I first feel like to pay, we always greet here with song. David earns that he comes. I'm going to ask Bensi. Bensi played me a gorgeous song that he composed. This, and he played it for me this morning. I was moved by it. I'm going to ask Bensi to play this for David. And then right after Bensi's finished this song, I'm going to play you David's song that he composed for the yeshiva on, on, on behalf of that Return back to our yeshiva. Thanks a million for bringing it.
Let's hear, I want to play David's song. You talk about a song that hit the mark, hit the spot. That was gorgeous, Bensi. Really gorgeous. Could you plug in, do you, could you connect yeah. us, be Meshadach, with your song? Good and high, Ariel. Good and high. Hey, yo, friend, you seem so alone. Remember that place we were years ago? I miss 
I want to wish a welcome back to Dave. Welcome back, Dave Levin. Welcome back, home, yeah, yeah. You know that feeling you get when you're a mile away? Welcome back, yeah, we're happy you're back. <laughs> We had, we had a beautiful zchus this morning. Some of the chevra, we could, the people had shiurim. It was a small chabura that we had given in yeshiva from a yid, Reb Levitan. Reb Levitan is a yid I've admired for many, many years. 
He's a chassid who is a beautiful person, an Ayav Yisrael, tremendous lover of Yidin. Well before we were in Durham, he would actually come here about once a week to learn with a Yid. There was a Yid in a nursing home in Durham, Connecticut. And he would come learn in Durham, Connecticut, well before the yeshiva was here. He would learn with one Yid in a nursing home. And a beautiful, beautiful tzaddik who's always loved our yeshiva. He's come here many times over the years. Before COVID, he came here much mm-hmm. more frequently. And he would come here learning Bechavrusa, learning himself. He has a tremendous appreciation for the yeshiva. He himself is a tzaddik, a very serious yid, who works on himself hard. And it happens to me, it's a, like Ashkach, a family member of mine is very close to his son, who's a rav in Florida. Very, very beautiful, wonderful yid, this Reb Levitan. And I asked him this morning, I, had, I felt he's back, he hasn't been here in many years, he's come back a little bit recently, and I asked him to say a shir this morning. Everything's Hashkoch Hashem, it was not known to me, I don't know why I had a sense. He's been here for years, I've never asked him. I happened to be, wanted to hear some Torah from the Rebbe, and I asked him to say a shir. I did it selfishly, I did it for me. Everything's Hashkoch Hashem. Tomorrow is the yard site of the Balatanya, of the first Rebbe, Tomorrow's his yard site. I didn't know that. And he said over some beautiful Tyra. He said over Tyra. He's learning from a Sefer Tanya. It was a very old Sefer. I'm sure he could buy himself a new Tanya. He's told us that this is the one his Rebbe, the Rebbe, handed him this copy of the Tanya. So he likes learning from that copy. And he gave a beautiful share this morning. I wanted, a, I wanted to share with the guys some of what he said. I thought it was very, very powerful. And I wanted to share this with the guys. He spoke over, he was talking over the last shmuz, the, Re, the last sicha that the Rebbe, the Rebbe would give shmuz, and the Rebbe was nifter in 1993. And the last sicha the Rebbe gave that he handed out was somewhere early 1992, I believe, was the last shmuz the Rebbe gave. And they would make a copy of the shmuz and the Rebbe would give out, would give out by the Rebbe's, they call them Amarim. It was the last mimer, the last shmuz, if you will, or a speech that the Rebbe gave. And the last one typed up mamish and he gave it out to the tzibur. And a lot of his chassidim took it, everything's hashkoch Hashem, and they took it as this was the Rebbe's like last message to his chassidim and to his talmidim. And the last shmuz was given on the words, Va'ata titzaves b'nei Yisro. Hashem told Moshe, titzaves b'nei Yisro. And the Rebbe spoke about what the job of a leader is, and he said in the word, tzave, ata titzave, a tzivuy is a command, and it certainly means to teach Klal Yisrael mitzvahs, but a tzivuy also means a connection. In Shas, in Baba Kama, it says, tzav sishel cheresh kagaram, a tzav means a connection. And mitzvahs are our opportunity to connect to the infinite. The Rabbi Shalom is infinite, and we are finite. And finite and infinite have no place they connect. Finite can't touch infinite. Finite, infinite, finite, infinite. And Hashem's amazing infinite kindness allows finite to touch infinite, 
to have eternity, and that's with mitzvahs. With mitzvahs, we connect to Hashem. He asked us and wants the infinite, wants the finite service, connecting the finite to infinite, to eternity, and that's called a mitzvah. The amazing opportunity of doing a mitzvah of Hashem, of connecting to Hashem, the infinite, with a mitzvah. A yid doing a maisa mitzvah is connected to Hashem. It's called the Shas Chedvisa. A yid as we go to Gedolim for brachas as we should. When a yid does a mitzvah, that's the best brach in the world. Bishas, it's that's Rishonim. Rabbeinu Yaina writes this, the Rashba, that Bishas mitzvah tefilasi shaladam nishmas. That's a quote from Rabbeinu Yaina. The Tshuva Sarashba says the same thing, that when you do a mitzvah, your prayers are answered. A yid bishas a mitzvah is connected to Hashem. At the moment of a mitzvah. And he said, and he defined the job of a leader is to connect. Is give over the power of connection to Yidin. And what a, what a Rebbe and a leader does is allows an individual to connect himself to Hashem, independent of the leader, independent of the Rebbe. My father always said, my father always said something very profound. He said the purpose of a shear is that you shouldn't need the shear. Any good shear gives you the skills to learn that you don't need the shear. If it's a weak shear, you just got to shear. A good shear, I always watch guys by Ray Shapiro, he gives over a way of thinking that guys will have when they're 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, a certain critical way, a certain way he processes Torah. And a good shear makes you not need the shear. And Va'ata Tetzavis Bnei Yisrael, the Rebbe took as a mission to allow Klal Yisrael to form its own connection to Hashem. Anybody who studies Tanya, and he describes a lot who a human being is, there is tremendous emunah by every single Yid. And this was a basic of the Rebbe's teaching. Any Yid, go to any dorm, it's, it's almost comical to think you're like fixing a guy. You're clueless. Not one Rebbe here ever tries to fix a guy. The amount of emuna that exists in the dorm is wildly high. It, it, it's incredibly high. Typically, a lot of people who go through challenges have more emuna. And the typical person, they have what's called the soul. We are a chelak eloikami mal. It's a pasuk in Eicha. It's a pasuk, I'm sorry, in Eiv, that a person's a chelak eloikami mal is a piece of Hashem. The Balatanya added the word mamish, literal. It's not a mushal that we're a piece of Hashem. Mamish, it's literal, that we're a piece of Hashem. And as such, we have a profound connection to Hashem. Often, we don't live with that connection. We have tremendous faith, tremendous madragas. If you're ever driving in a taxi in Eretz Yisrael and you hear the driver talking, he has tremendous emunah. He knows about Hashem real. Many times you're left thinking it's more real than by me. I have left conversations in the dorm when 100% I sense the guy I'm speaking to has more emunah than me. His connection to Hashem is so real, more parts of him recognize the existence of Hashem than me. He's like, Hashem is so real, I walk out like... Now, what he, so what's the goal? The goal is to get this person to live with the amuna that surrounds him. 
beforehand the Amuna surrounds him, but his actions are not always connected to that which he knows for various reasons. And the goal of a Rebbe is to encourage and facilitate that a person could live with that which he knows and can connect to that which he is. He is an Ishama, a massively beautiful, powerful, incredible being. He has an Ishama, Chelek El Kamimal Mamish. And the goal is to connect the person to what he knows, connect the person to what he is, and slowly he lives from that place. I want to tell you something interesting that I've observed, Yair, in the yeshiva. I, I'm, always, I'm afraid how to say this. Please listen well. When a guy goes to Eretz Yisrael, we're going to start speaking about yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael. We're going to have a night coming up shortly where we're going to start introducing the different options of next year for the 12th and 13th graders. I've observed specifically in Imre Bina, and I'm not saying this is the goal. The goal is a guy to go to Eretz Yisrael and continue steiging and adding and developing new madrigas. I have often seen a guy the first few weeks in Imre Bina fall all of a sudden. He falls. People panic. It's crazy. guys. And the guy panics and his friends call back. He's fallen apart. Everything he got in Waterbury, it all disappeared. And panic. And oh no, everybody's running around. I've heard this now for a number of years. And I want to explain what's happening. It's a, and I'm not saying the goal is that plenty of people didn't fall. I don't want to create a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't want to say what's going to happen. The guy goes, okay, I'm supposed to run around. No. You're supposed to keep growing. I want to explain what's happening. There's a lot of support in Durham, as there should be, in the onsets of our growth. In all areas, there's a lot of support. When the support gets removed, people tend to falter. And that could happen. That's a lot to happen. And even a guy who doesn't even have all the support, he doesn't know what it means that somebody smiles at him and focuses at him and gives him encouragement. Whatever the support that's built in, that the dorm council is trying to help him, whether he feels it consciously, subconsciously, or just is involved in it, it's built with a lot of support. It is completely normal when our support's taken away to fall back a little bit. If you're ever being supported and held and the support goes away, so a person could stumble a little. The goal is then to walk on your own. The goal is then, I found something within. And if you watch the journeys of many guys, I quote a Bacher said, even those that chose in whatever, you have to choose again. And what they're saying is, is that I discovered me, but now I have to live me. The mark of Chabad Hasidim, my own observations in Chabad Hasidus. I happen to be very curious about Russian Jewry. A lot, of, a lot of the Torah we have in America today came by way of Russia. You have to understand Ramayisha Feinstein, Russia. Chavetz Chaim, Russia. Rebel Yashov, Russia. Nevardik, Russia. Chabad, Russia. A lot of the Torah we have, we have gone through our people a lot. And we've traveled. And a big stop in our Torah. My wife's family has roots in Russia. A lot, of play, a lot of us have roots in Russia. A lot of people sitting here, whether you know or not, your great-great-great-grandfather, a lot of us went by way of Russia. A good part of the entire world went through Russia. That's where we went through. 
Now, in Russian Jewry is a fascinating chapter. It's a country for 70 years, fought God. In the world, it's a crazy phenomenon. They fought God. You weren't allowed to serve Hashem. I, 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 could, I can relate to being self-conscious. I've had times I dive in airports where I'm a little embarrassed. I don't want to like put my religion in anybody's face and I try to like go to a very private place and put on my talus and film and dive in inconspicuously on a plane I don't join the minion. I don't dive with a plane on a minion. I try to dive in the same time as a minion. First, I don't want to be an excuse. Hey, I don't do a minion. Hey, then you're just sleeping. So I try to dive in at the same time. It's also an Indian to dive in. I don't think one should dive in on a minion on a plane. It doesn't seem appropriate to me. You're blocking aisles. You're not letting the plane serve. It doesn't look right to me. So I don't do it. I don't dive in the minion on a plane. I dive in by my seat. And typically... I'm something like I don't want to cause I don't want to cause people my religion shouldn't be in the way of other people, so I dive in an airport. You die quiet in a corner. It shouldn't be in anybody's face. It's me and Hashem. It's not meant to disturb another person. The one place I davened in a minion and loud, I davened my kishkas out, was in a Russian airport. I promise I didn't hold back. This country fought Hashem 70 years. I davened loud and clear and energetic. It was with a group of Hasidim. We were pounding. It was a shtickle ne'ila. I felt it was my fight back. This country fought God. I'm praying to him loud and clear. It was one of the best minyanim of my life. was in the Russian airport. It was a beautiful minyan. And we were pounding. I don't know what the other yidden, if they were rebelling. That was one of the best wars I ever fought in my life. I davened loud and clear in the Russian airport. Beautiful minyan. Lemaisa, for 70 years, they fought Hashem. And they were there to fight Hashem. And the story of the Russian Jews and the strength of service of Hashem under difficult conditions, the Ribnitzer Rebbe came out giants of the spirit. I very much advise reading Reb Zilber's book. Reb Ezi, do you remember what it's called? Hudi, do you remember what it's called? I had my kids read the book. Reb Zilber's book is called... To Remain a Jew. To Remain a Jew. Bless you, Sora Daniel. To excellent Daniel. Excellent Daniel. I very much... I very much encourage, if you want recommended reading, one Ben Azmanim, this one maybe even during this man, if you want to read a book about a gorgeous Yid, it's called To Remain a Jew, and a Yid who took on Russia head on, easy Kalish, after they like rescind things, you daven a mincha there and you're proud of yourself. He was davening many a mincha, where a mincha was costly. And it's interesting, even he said over a speech, this va'ata titzave, was this the speech? He said over a speech the Rebbe gave, the previous Rebbe, that landed him in jail for giving this speech. So Yidin was serving Hashem, and specifically the Chabad, the Chabad Yidin was serving Hashem with awesome Mesir Nefesh. And my picture, one of the hallmarks of Chabad is very, very powerful people. The Avodah Hashem is staunch under all conditions. They'll serve in middle of difficult, crazy places. And he trained the Hasidim. And this idea that the job of a Rebbe is to ignite a fire that exists in the person well past when they're not under the influence of their Rebbe. That the fire is ignited and it's there. 
I don't I, I don't talk controversial topics. The frustration, the Rebbe was Nifter in 1993, and the frustration with people who had a hard time parting with him is especially frustrating to me because they don't understand Chabad Chasidus. The very Hasidus taught that even when the Rebbe leaves, you could be powerful and you ignite a fire. It was a tremendous lack of understanding the very Hasidus from where they came. And if you know about Chabad Hasidus, the whole Yisait and this last speech of the very Rebbe, of the very Rebbe that they struggled, some struggled to do this, was a teaching of the Chassid finding a fire from within on his own. That was his very last teaching he taught, that a Rebbe gives a fire, that the fire lasts and is contained and is, and, and is ignited well past the Rebbe leaves. I actually like watching that guys go to Imre, and there could be initial struggle as he falls back. Then he says, one second, I found something in me. This is not about, I was encouraged by Rai Wasnicki. There's not about Rai Shapiro Shir. There's something in me. And the Bacher stands up and finds Rebbeim and finds Chavrusas and lights a profound fire because it wasn't what somebody externally was giving and supporting. It's what he found about himself. It's what he discovered innovating inside of himself. It's what he discovers inside. That's, that's the Nekud. And that was one of the last speeches of the Rebbe, this, this mission to, be, to bring connection to every Yid Tetzavah, B'nai Yisrael. Allow a Yid to find his own connection. That is the job of a good Rebbe. I've expressed, we've learned together, it says, Yitzia Sadik Minair Asarashim. When a Tzadik leaves the city, it makes an impact. And why do we speak when the Tzadik leaves the city? Isn't his impact when the Tzadik is in the city? And when the Tzadik is there, of course he impacts. But there's the danger of feeling that Tzadik is creating the connection to Hashem, and we like ride on him. When the tzaddik leaves, the only way to have the tzaddik is to be like the tzaddik and to grab on to the teachings of the tzaddik. And the, you see a tzaddik, when the tzaddik leaves, we all learn what we have to grab on to, what we have to be like, the ideals. We grab on to the ideals that we've studied and heard and learned. I think a lot of conversation, we're about to enter a period we're going to talk about next year. Now, I don't want to ever let go of now. There's a very dangerous period as we turn our attention to guys deciding, and this will be relevant to the older chevri, you'll be asked by guys, as younger guys should ask, what yeshiva do you think? And I want guys to handle the sugya. Where should I go next year? It's an important sugya. I want a guy to be well-planned, and there's everything right with planning next year. I don't want a guy to stop growing in the moment. To continue to grow, to continue, we have to add, to fill us, to start, and we should all push harder earlier in the morning. Come to Shachar's, fill up davenings, connect, tefillah, tefillah b'tzibur, come to the davenings, come to Shiur and push, push hard, Hebrew. But we are going to turn our attention to where to continue next year. And I want guys to know this point that we're thinking about parting times, that certain supports could be taken away. 
Of course, a bachar can always and should always build healthy supports. It's good to be supported all our life, but at sir, as we get older, we have to build those supports. They're not as much handed to us. When we're younger, a Rebbe chases us. When you're older, you only have a Rebbe as much as you chase him, typically. And building our own supports and finding it within is the part of, of steiging, of growing. A lot of growth, not a lot, growth is discovering our own soul, our own connection to Hashem, our own emuna, which is there. A yid has something very, very profound. A good Rebbe sees it in the Talmud. He sees it. I was talking to somebody today, and I just was thinking, if he would see what I see, I, I was intimidated with I said, I was just thinking, and it's not simple. The only question of chenach is how could you get somebody to see what you see? It's easier for you to see. You're not distracted. You're not distracted by all different challenges that he has, and you could just see his purity. For himself, he's distracted by his mistake he made last night. He's distracted by the mistake he made last week, or he's distracted by the mistake he made when he's 13. You, undistracted by that, could see preciousness, could see something fire and big, and the goal is he should see what you see. And then when he gets in touch with his own amuna, that in, you talk to Bachram, you could discover, Morty's had many conversations, what he sees is, a guy says to him, like, he's come to me many times, this guy's like, what am I supposed to answer him? I just, he's so big. You've already given all his answers because you've identified how big he is. That's all you can give him. You gave it, you gave it all. He has come running to me many a time. That guy's so big. What, what, what am I supposed to say to him? He said, and he's like, what he said, you, 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 you've taught him all already. You have nothing more to teach. You've just seen what he is. Now just keep talking, keep being amazed, and soon he'll see what you saw. And then the person gets in touch with his own faith. With his own faith. Anybody who's had the pleasure of learning Tanya, this is a huge part of Tanya, is getting us in touch with that which exists inside of us. The purity, the sincerity, the, the power that exists in a person. Now, I admit, is the person living with that greatness that he has. I have spoken to Yair late at night, on, on a couple of Friday nights. I walk out, I'm like, I'm from her, because I met somebody, I met a big soul. I met a big soul, I'm much firmer. I'm like, whoa. We're souls, we're powerful souls, big time, powerful souls. That's not an exaggeration, that's just what we are. Chelek, Eloika, Mimal, Mamish. Now, to live with what we are, that's a kunst, that's, that takes time. Somebody sees and's not distracted by circumstance of our life, identifies, and we all have unique aspects of our soul, Un- very unique missions, unique points we're supposed to fill, but being in touch with our bigness. And the goal of a Rebbe is to put somebody in touch with their own greatness and to help assist somebody to live within the context of that greatness. That's the goal of a Rebbe. So it is normal when we lose the support for a minute, like we, we get confused. That's normal. It's very, I'm not saying that a person has to do that. Some people find it here and don't lose it. They don't lose stride. They have found who they are. For other guys, for a few minutes, they get like shaken because the support comes up, but they always go right back to it. They go right back. That's what I have found for years. Nobody should panic from that. I only don't stress it that much because I don't want to create 
a self-fulfilling prophecy of falling first. It doesn't have to come through you read the first, but it could even come through that. And that's not a deep and profound panic. It's just part of the path of discovering our own greatness and, 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 and grabbing that. And sometimes it, but when a big support falls off for a second, I shake, then I remember I now had to walk. I remember I now had to walk. So the support comes off for a minute. You might wobble a little bit. My analogy would be a guy is walking with crutches for months. The first steps without the crutches could be a little shaky. There's like, one second, I got this. Come on, I got it. Then all of a sudden, within a short time, he's running, jumping again. Without the help of the crutches, he remembers that he knows how to walk. The crutches were very powerful. It helped buy time. It helped develop, helped him move around while he had a hurt leg. But ultimately, he does sense he knows how to walk and gets back to running again. So that was briefly, I wanted to share, it is the yard site tonight and tomorrow. So he said a little mimer in the yeshiva about this, the job of a Rebbe. He gave over this mimer based on Natanya, based on later Rebbe's. I wanted to share that with the guys. A very, very good Rebbe understands this, that he's not putting something new into the guy. He's not changing, fixing, creating. He's only helping the guy get in touch with what's there. That's a very good Rebbe. That's the understanding, the Aymek of a good Rebbe. is not fixing, changing. It's getting a guy in touch with what's there and getting him to live with what's there. It's very, very much there. You, you work yourself as, as somebody involved with people. We all, because of our own katnas, because of our own katnas, we all struggle to see good in people. Akiva Balsam, this past Shabbos, did an exercise that was mind-blowing with the guys. He did, it, he did an exercise with us, and I was very, very amazed by the exercise. If we, without any, if we would watch people without any negios, if our skin would not be in the game, if we would somehow be a birdie flying over a dorm, we would see people and be amazed. We'd be very happy for people and very impressed. A lot of our struggles, everybody, is our own insecurities and our own like, oh, that makes me feel, what do I say and what about me? It's our own. When we remove our insecurities and we see people, amazingly natural, we're happy for them. And amazingly natural, we, we see goodness in them. It's like natural. People talk about, how do I see goodness in other yidden? And the answer is, get comfortable with yourself. Start loving yourself. Pound your own mindless. Recognize your soul. At the point that you're good, it's very, very natural. What you see in others is mindless. That's just what you see. You see souls, but of course... That's what the natural thing to see. If we take out our biases, we tend, we get very happy for people. Guys like drinking a nice cup of soda. You're like, hey, that's so good schmack. He has a good cup of soda. You're like, a guy's playing ball in the gym. It's so refreshing. Guys playing with another guy. It's like so good schmack. If you would be a little butterfly and come by, it's like delightful. He's having a great basket. You're like happy for him. You're like, this is so much fun. (laughs) He's having such a good game. It's so good schmack for him. You're happy for the guy. It's only our own insecurities, our own questions on self, our own egos that stand there in the way of just saying, I'm so happy for him. He's playing boy, he seems so happy. And seeing Milas in him. Akiva did an exercise with us that brought this out. Guys, try anybody in the room. It was striking. It was true. We did a whole meditation and watched things detached. And you literally, I'm just telling you in the room, you were happy for people. 
I was like working, it was, it was difficult. If you hadn't meditated before and he was showing us something, but it real, I experienced it. And the sense when you detach your own ego and own stuff that you put in, you're happy for people and you see very good in people. The job of a Rebbe is to see good in people, to see tremendous good in people, and to help the person access the good that's there. It's not a trick, oh, let me try to see good in him. Buddy, you're looking at souls. We're a bunch of souls sent down to this earth. This is not like a pretend game. I'm a soul here talking. He's a soul next to me relaxing. He's a soul. We're all souls. Geschmacker souls. Very, very good souls. Put down by heaven. A soul is not broken. A soul doesn't have deficiencies. A pure, pure soul. Put down to this earth with a mission of bringing something forth. What my soul could bring out, what your soul could bring out here. Our job is to get in touch with that fact. So Rebbe is not, there's not like a game, show a guy, sometimes you say, good boy, you moved him further, you were trying so hard to see. No, we're souls. You don't like, you know, I'm going to fix that. So you don't fix a soul where you have like a, you're fixing a soul, a soul is gorgeous. A soul is perfect. Elikai, neshama, shenasat tayrahi. The job is to get a person to live practically in the Olam HaMaisa with that, with, with that that he is. To live practically in the Olam HaMaisa with the fact of who we are. That's difficult. We could have this knowledge and then struggle to live with it. If you meet people around, you meet somebody, as Amuna is like, wow. You meet people there, Amuna boggles your mind. That's true. A Yid has Amuna. The goal is to get him to live with that. To get him to live with that. I have met many a Bachar which said to me, I have doubts, I'm not sure. What he really means to say is the Amunah I have, I can't live with. That's true. <laughs> he can't live in the Olam HaMaisa with his Amunah. It's very difficult to live with his Amunah in the Olam HaMaisa. We have many distractions from that. To get the person, the job of a Rebbe is to get the person to live with the Amunah that he has. To live practically with the Amunah that he has. Somebody asked one of the great Gaisha thinkers, are you a Maimon? Are you a believer? And he started crying. And they were, like, they were like very surprised by his response. He said, how could I say I'm a Maimon? You know what I did yesterday? He was saying that I can't live with the Amunah that I have. That's what he was like expressing. And he started to cry, <laughs> do I believe. He wasn't told that the Amunah we have. In the oil of my I can't, I can't get in and live with the Amunah that I have. And that made him cry, that struggle. And the job of a Rebbe is to introduce a guy to the Amunah that he has to introduce a guy to that which he is, and then a person has to live with that which he's been taught he is. That is the, that is the job. That's the job. I'm, I'm very, if you want in the Torah, everything's in the Torah, everything. What's the first lesson that our Rebbe ever taught us? What's the first teaching Maishu Rabbeinu ever gave the Jewish people? He said, Russia, he said to the Russia, he didn't call him Russia, but he said to the Russia, what are you hitting your friend? The first teaching he ever had is, how do you touch another person? That was the first teaching. How do you underestimate? What are you hitting your friend for? The first teaching is, what are you pounding your friend? Do you know who he is? And if you knew who you were, you wouldn't want to touch who he is. 
Lama Sakariyecha was the first teaching our Rebbe ever taught us. He taught us who the next person is, who we are. He said, don't touch the next person. You don't, you don't know what he is. You have no right to touch him. Lama Sakariyecha, what do you hit your friend for? That's, then he, of course, the rest is he was Mefarish, the Torah. And he continued to teach us Torah all his life. But he said, Lama Sakariyecha, what are you hitting your friend for? Do you know who he is? And clearly, if you hit him, you don't know who you are. That's why you don't see who he is. That was the first teaching of our Rebbe. And the Rebbe's last teaching was the first teaching of our Rebbe. is the job of a Rebbe is to access to somebody who he is and as such allow him to see who others are. That was the last teaching of the Rebbe, the first teaching of our Rebbe. So I wanted to share that on the, the air of the yard site, or a few minutes to the yard site, I wanted to share that. There's stuff I want to still learn on Parsha Shmois and Be'era. These parishes we're not let to miss. You're not let, these are Yitzias, this is the story in Mitzrayim. And Yitzias Mitzrayim, this is a basic, a basic to a Yid. Please don't ever... Don't ever say Yitzias Mitzrayim is not a story that was. It's a story that is. We live with Yitzias Mitzrayim. It's like basic to Yiddishkeit is Yitzias Mitzrayim. We put on tefillin, Zechel Yitzias Mitzrayim. We have a mezuzah, right? We walk into every door and exit, Zechel Yitzias Mitzrayim. We make Kiddush, Zechel Yitzias Mitzrayim. Yamtiv, Zechel Yitzias Mitzrayim. Yitzias Mitzrayim is the story of our life. The stuck in Mitzrayim and the exit out of Mitzrayim. I want to talk about Paroi for a few minutes. Paroi is a very confusing figure because Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu in our parsha, "V'yechazik leif Paroi, v'leishamalem kshadiber Hashem." There's something very bizarre, and the Rambam asked the Kasha. These parshas are a charade. It's a charade. A charade in English means what? Translate charade, a show. A charade is a farce. When you play something out and it's not real. This whole story, Maisha warns Parai, but Parai has no choices. Hashem hardened his heart. What in the world's happening? And the Ramban asks the Kasha, what? The Rambam. The Rambam asks that what's the purpose of this whole charade? of this whole show of Maisha warning, let my nation out. Paray saying, no. And Hashem hardened his heart. He has no choice. You have to understand that Paray is king of Mitzrayim. King of, king of something means the spitz. The Yiddish word spitz. The president of America is the most American guy. Do you know one of the presidents, a few presidents ago, I once read was a genius. He's photographic memory. Do you know it's hard to find it anywhere? If he was a Yid, like his Hasidim would want their Rebbe to be the hatch, I would say, our Rebbe's photographic. Do you know it was embarrassing for him to be photographic? Nowhere in his debates did he ever say he's photographic. Do you know it's embarrassing in, in, in elections? They want to cover up how rich the president is. You win the presidency when you prove you're the most American. So you always want, like, they always highlight if they have an uncle who's a hardworking, like, coal miner, he becomes front and center. The grandchild of immigrants, the child of a coal mine worker, 
the president means when you're the head of a country, it means you're the spitz, you're the epitome of that country. You're the most of what the country is. You know, I always wondered, what does it mean a beautiful esrig? Philosophically, what's a beautiful esrig? Get a beautiful one. What's a beautiful esrig? The Torah calls cows good-looking. You ever pass by a cow and say, wow, good-looking cow. What's good-looking? I never saw a good-looking cow. What does it mean? You face Mara. Quite a good-looking cow. <laughs> There's also a good-looking cow. There's no such thing as a good-looking cow. Yet the Torah says you face Mara. A good-looking cow means it has perfect cow features. It's very cow-like. Good-looking means that you represent the cow species the best. So the most cow-like is the best-looking cow. A good-looking esrog looks very esrog-like. That's good-looking. It represents esrog. That's an esrog. That's an esrog. For its men, it, it, it's the most features esrog-like. Esrog has certain bumpiness. An esrog could not have those bumps. You say, I like flat ones. That's not esrog-like. That would be a wonderful lemon, but an esrog supposed to be an esrog. The cow might have the most human features, but that's a ridiculous looking cow. If you have a very skinny cow, that's a bad looking cow. It doesn't look a schmack. It doesn't look like a, there's some human beings who make the side like skinny is good looking. Do you look deathly? It's not a good looking person. To me, Zaftig, person who has a balbusser, historically, always, till America came along and destroyed Surah Sa'adam, a good looking person was Gishmak. Had good weight. A skinny looks, you look deathly ill. My Oma was still regal and classy. When you look good, you were filling out. When Oma said you look good, an American would want to go on a diet. You understood? She meant you look rich. You don't look emaciated and nebuch like a sick human being. You look like a human being. You schmack. No rich person would look like that. You look like your family's azam impoverished. You look like it's Surah Sodom. So a good-looking cow means it looks cow-like. A good-looking esrog is esrog-like. It means the thing is... The thing is what it's supposed to be. Nevezi, take me back where I was headed. Uh, to remain a Jew. <laughs> He's going back a little. <laughs> uh, a president wins the presidency when they're the most spitz. The most American-like is a president. He's the, the president of America is supposed to be the most... President of America means the American of Americans. They call it the country's first family. We're back? Yeah, we're back. It means that's the president of a country. Please understand when we call Pare the king of Egypt, he's the king of stuck. He's the most spit stuck guy in the country. He's king of Mitzrayim. So it means he's Mitzrayim squared. Para is not an aberration that he has no choices. That's how he chose to live. Para is the spitz of a mitzri, wow. that he has no choice. And he's just acts the way he can't, he's stuck. That he's the king, the king of stuck should be the most stuck in the country. He lives spitz mitzri-like. When you live spitz mitzri-like, you take away all places of choice of opportunity, of decision. So Parai is not like an aberration that Parai is... This whole crazy show, if you're watching, this is the Mitzri squared. The perfect Mitzri has no choices and is absolutely stuck. 
He's king of stuck. He's the most stuck. He's the Spitz Mitzri. Every Mitzri aspires to this. This is like the Mitzri lifestyle of Mali Zima, of people not living. They live a Nefesh Bahami and living a very, very physical existence. Mitzrayim, Mali Zima, full of Znus, full of Efkeris, full of people renouncing Mi Hashem. To renounce Hashem is to renounce the godly side that exists in you and I. Goyim have a godly, they're Tzelem Elohim. We have a Nishma Elohim. We have a higher thing, a Chelek Elohim To renounce Hashem is to renounce a whole side of a person. And the Mitzri renounces his whole side, the whole side that affects choice, that allows a person to rise above. A Mitzri is a behemoth that grazes is a different looking behemoth, one that stands on two feet. To deny Hashem, that the king of Mitzrayim says, Mi Hashem, he's the king of the country that denounces any godliness in a person. Malezima, Hefkerus, freedoms, do what we want, live like a behemoth. King of Mitzrayim is the one who has no choices. He has chosen and identified. We talk about identity. Who am I? I am who I decide I am. So meet Paray. Paray is the human being who completely denounced the godly side of himself and he's the king of stuck and he lives stuck. He has no choices. He has zero decisions. That's what he's chosen for himself. That is king of stuck. That's how it works to king of stuck. It's rather fascinating that Paray has a nation within him that are yidden. The Jewish problem is a serious problem because he has a nation within him that lives with God, that lives with choices. And he's worried about one people knocking him over. Paray has not been the first person in the history, will not be the last. And as part of series, everybody fears the Jews. In the, in the words of Hitler, he said that the Jew is the guilty conscience of the world. He said they make us all feel guilty. Hitler, Yemachshemai, wrote in Mein Kampf, it's Kemada quote. He said, we are barbarians and proud of that fact. And he said, there is one nation that makes us feel guilty for living barbaric. And that nation I want to eliminate. That was called the Jew. And Paray has a Jew problem. Miss King of Stuck, the most stuck of all the Stucks, has one people who live very unstuck. And he said, I am petrified they're going to overthrow us. They don't believe in stuck. And we have a country of stuck. And he's worried that they're going to overthrow us. And he says, I have to to keep them very busy. That they don't think. That they keep them very physically engaged. That they can't access that other part of themselves that they seem to access that makes them free, that makes them strong, let me have them exceedingly busy and overwhelmed, working, 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 that they can't access. And this way, they won't overthrow stuck and king of stuck. And they'll be stuck in the land of stuck with us. That's what Paray's plan is to have us working so hard and being so physical that we can't access another side of ourselves that's not Meshubit to the land of stuck and to the king of stuck. That is the story of Mitzrayim, Yitzhak Mitzrayim. If anybody thinks this is history, I don't know what planet you live on, but I want to invite you to our planet. That this is not a past date, it's not an old story. It's a very present story. And a present story, a there are people trying to get out of stuck. 
and trying to understand it. what does it mean to get out of stuck, to find that other place that's very unstuck. When we're surrounded by stuck in the land of the king of stuck, it is hard to get in touch with a place of us that's unstuck, that's not stuck, that's stronger, that's bigger, that's to access that place. That is the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the ever-present story that you and I live with. Daily with Tefillin, with Mezuzah, with Kiddush, with Shabbos, with, Yitzhi, with, with Yom Tev, that's the ever-present story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim that a Jew is commanded to live with this story. So please understand it when you study these parshias. There's a very, there's a minag Yisrael, there's something you'll hear a little bit about Shavivim. In these parshas, Shavim stands for Shmois Ve'era Boy B'Shalach Yisrael Mishpatim. Now, to the very cynical person, these weeks we left Hanukkah, we're waiting for Pesach, so we need something, so they created like, oh, Gishmak Shavim. In a very real way, Yitzias Mitzrayim is part of our lives. Shavim are the weeks of Yitzias Mitzrayim. Shmois Ve'era Boy B'Shalach Yisrael Mishpatim. Down to Kabbalah Satira, Yisrael's Kabbalah Satira, Mishpat are the laws that were given. And this speaks about Mitzrayim and getting out of Egypt. Shayuvim is we just, the parashites are not a study of history. They're very present and Yidin work very hard in the weeks of Shayuvim to rise above, to find another aspect of ourself more than just the physical. We have a body that's beautiful, a body that's powerful, a body that's important. And we try to find another aspect of ourselves. We're quoting Tanya. See, he calls it the, the, the he calls it the, this nefesh aloykos. There's a nefesh Bahamas, a nefesh aloykos, and we try to ask, we try to access that nefesh aloykos. The one that we're more conscious of is our physical living. What we feel most is I'm hungry. I'm thirsty, I'm tired, I'm tempted. That's what we feel the most. Hashem built us that way. When we do a mitzvah, when we learn Torah, when we pray, we're accessing and strengthening another part of ourselves. When we do a mitzvah, we're empowering and getting in touch with a deeper side of ourself, a side that's very, very connected to the infinite, a matter of fact, that comes from there. So this is the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. This is the battle. King of stuck is the most stuck ever. If you read the Pasha, this guy is stuck. You're Shalom Aleichem, king of stuck. There are many choices we can make that bring us to that place of stuck. Many choices. The Rambam says the purpose of reading these parashiyas is is that people should know that if Hashem takes away the possibility of tshuva, a person's stuck. It's only by the gift of Hashem, something called tshuva, that there's an aspect, that we could rise above stuck. Amazingly, we're reading about the country of stuck. Mitzrayim means borders. It means stuck. And we read about king of stuck. We are not studying history. We're studying present-day conditions, present-day challenges.
You're asking what that means. Translate the words, Yon. I ask you back, what does it mean, Hashem Harnas? What does it mean to have a hard heart? What does that mean? Stubborn. What? What does that mean? A kavi leif What does it mean? Think about that. It needs a good pirish. What that means to have a heart? What does it mean to have a soft heart? I think a lot of hardening the heart is. I think we're talking about a world that we have access to a part of us that's more subtle and sensitive to feel. And I suspect hardening his heart is exactly you chose to ignore a whole chalk of yourself and now you can't feel that part of yourself. We think like a hard heart is not to feel God. I think it's not to feel a piece of ourselves. A hardened heart has access and a sensitive, a soft heart, my suspicion, is to sense something more in ourselves. We have times in our life we sense I'm more than physical. The physical part of us is easy to feel. I'm hungry. I'm tired. It's the dominant. There's something subtle and se- every once in a while we feel it. We feel like when we care about somebody else, things bring out like there's a part of me that's wrong. Something like scary, something lofty in us, that soul. I think a hard heart is not sense. I think harding in his heart disconnects him to a part of himself that he frankly chose not to live with. And then Hashem hardens his heart that he can't sense it and feel it. Something of that nature. The heart typically connects to regish, to feeling. So something of that nature. Now, as the mind, the heart, what it means, somewhere in that presence, a part of himself he can't access. Something of that nature, I suspect. interesting we sing a song in yeshiva we sing a song in yeshiva the, the words in tillam that david amelech says in tillam hine matovim anoyim shebes achim gam yochad In Kapitel Kuflam Gimel and Tillim, 
It speaks about the way they used to appoint the Melech is they poured the Shemina Mishcha over his head. And it says like oil poured on the head means somebody was given a position of Srara, of leadership. And it goes on the beard. Think about that moment somebody's made leader and oil's poured on his head and it goes on his beard. They have to picture a very beautiful feel. You've just been made king. You're anointed king and you put... If the only American visual for this is the coach wins the big game in the Gatorade bath. <coughs> Delightful. Picture the Gatorade bath. You've just won the big game. You're the star player and all the other players raise the Gatorade and chuck it over your head. It's the most delightful wet feel. I don't care. It's Gatorade or anything else. Bear would be in that bucket. You've won and it's poured on you and it's just flowing. It's a delightful feeling. As a youngster, I remember... And the Giants won 86. Bill Parcells, the guys took a barred oats, whoever the center was, poured the bottle over his head, and it rolls down. Delightful feeling of victory. That is what David Amel describes. The oil on the head, the way they appointed somebody king, is they poured oil over his head. That was the Gatorade bath. Like the oil on the head. And it's on your beard. You're like soaking up the joys of victory. Zikan Aaron, the beard of Aaron. It's interesting. Like the oil on the beard, the beard of Aaron. What does that mean? It means the Pasuk in Shemais. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was worried when Hashem made him the leader to take out Klal Yisrael. He had an older brother who was leading Klal Yisrael in his absence. Moshe Rabbeinu was in Midian for many, many years and Aaron was running Klal Yisrael. And Moshe was worried that you're letting, I'm taking over my older brother, Surara. And Hashem told Moshe one of the most amazing psukim in the entire Torah. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Aaron's going to see you, v'samach belibay. Aaron Akayin is going to see you, your new position of leadership. Let me read it. Aaron's going to see you. Could you imagine, Yair, a guy's the older brother and his younger brother is sent by God to take him over. You've been replaced. You're no longer the leader. Maishu Rabbein is replacing his older brother to run Klai Yisrael. And Hashem says about Aaron, Vera'acha, he's going to see you. V'samach b'libay. He is so connected to the truth. He is so comfortable and sincere in his own connection to Hashem. V'samach b'libay. To the depths of his heart, he's going to be happy for you. That's what we describe in Tillim. That like oil on the head goes on the beard. It means Maishu Rabbeinu Sarara. Maishu Rabbeinu's leader, Zikan Aaron. Aaron literally felt his beard wet. 
When Maishu Rabbeinu was made king, Aaron literally was so happy for Maishu, he felt his beard wet. And so too when Aaron was made Kohen Gadol. And Maishu Rabbeinu was not chosen to be Kohen Gadol. So now Aaron has Sarara, and it's going to go to children, grandchildren, and Maishu's children are not inheriting his Sarara. It went to Yeshua, and Aaron's beard was wet. Maishu Rabbeinu felt like a wet beard. They had such a connection, the brothers, and such a care for each other. When one's beard was wet, the celebration of victory, the other one literally felt wet. That's what the Medrash tells us, Pshat in this Pasuk, how beautiful it is, brothers together, is when two brothers are in unity, serving Hashem, and they're each tremendously happy, one for another. That's the, I'd love to study this topic more, but I want to at least learn that, that there's such a madrega. I want to I wanna welcome Menachem. Menachem Bruin is here. And I want to say that Menachem's chaos, his energy, his humor, his tremendous observations have, have made Lebedek Many a Musravad and many a gathering in Yeshiva and just many aspects of the Yeshiva. Menachem has made just better, has made more powerful his own experiences. And he's he's been there. We talk about Matoivim Anoim Shevasachim Gam Yachad. Brothers caring for one another, being there in all the different circumstances. The Yeshiva, Menachem is a big member and a big part, celebrating, encouraging people, being involved. I want to specifically say, I want to specifically say, last year everybody knows Menachem coached the team and he did a tremendous, tremendous job encouraging the guys, being there for the guys. This year he was not here to start. This year, Menachem was not here to start. And we started the year, we had a different coach, and Menachem could have said, okay, let, leave it be. He goes to have, he drives to the games, takes guys to the games. He's at the game, assisting in every way he can. There was a scene at a game that was a, maybe one of my favorite scenes of this year. You have the Waterbury Wolfpack playing, and the coach is pacing the sidelines as he's allowed to. The problem is on the fan side, there's also a coach pacing and coaching. And the security guards, like, they know, what is that? Like, they're used to maybe your parents going to run on the court. There were two coaches. The scene of Menachem, the security guard came out. I was watching with Ray Russ. The security guard goes over to Menachem. I called him. I said, why were you almost just arrested? Like, what happened? The security guard just wasn't used to a coach from the other sideline. You know, from where the fans are, he was pacing. But Menachem's being there for the guys. His care the guy's success, his sensitivity to all the players, to encourage, to pick up, to lift, to help out, is a key. Caring about the next guy, wanting for the success of the next guy, that's 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 a beautiful scene. Yenna's success is your success. Your success is his success. My picture of that, he named this year, one of the great scenes of the year is the security guard running over to this fan who's like caring too much. Is he a parent? Who is this guy? 
Oh, he's just our last year's coach who actually gives a hood, who's there encouraging and shouting encouragement to the guys. The Hine Matovim Anoim Shevesachim Gam Yochad scene is the security running over to Menachem asking him, Why are you pacing the sideline? They had him, did they make you sit down, Menach? He said, No pacing. He said, you, what, he's, what he say to you? I don't want a guy caring so much. What did he say, Menach? <laughs> I thought security. I saw security run across. It was right. Russ and I were watching. We're like, which guy did what now? It's just the guy in the sideline who cares. Like shucks, that's terrible. <laughs> we would try to fit the whole game stop. It was the middle of the game, and everything like came to a screeching halt. The security guard was running. Ray Russ and I were guessing what happened. I called Menachem to find out that one of our guys pull out a gun. Like it was a whole like ASIC. I kid you not. Ray Russ and I wonder what is going on. The security guard ran to the coach. Who ran, things were tutsuch levedik. Menachem, we were really trying to figure out the scene, and then we find out they just saw a guy on the sideline who cared a lot, and they got the security detail nervous. But here, Menachem, we don't want to stop you. We want to thank you for caring so much. Thank you. Menachem, what song? I thought you were going to start one song. You started something different the last time I asked you to sing Shabbos. What song did you start? No, no, not Shira Malos, but you didn't start the song I was expecting last time. What song did he start, Johnny? The Niggins. Malcolm Rogers started... Oh, I started. Oh, I bumped. Yeah. Oh, that's what he did. That's what he did. He started in Kitzvah. Okay, good, good, good. Excellent, excellent. Menachem, it's tremendously appreciated to have uh, to have somebody here, a very intelligent person. His takes from the best takes in yeshiva, intelligent, funny, positive. It's a zchus. Really a zchus to have you pick up the yeshiva. Hashem should bench Menachem with continued siyata deshmaya, with simchas bikarav, with tremendous atzlach and all that he does. Mincha next door, second Seder in here. <laughs>